So as a schoolboy in India, I heard about Romulus and Remus thrown into the river Tiber in a cradle at birth, rescued and suckled by a she-wolf. Romulus later founded the city of Rome. Of course, I heard about Rudyard Kipling's Jungle Book, read the book featuring the wolf child Mowgli. And the younger generations may not be aware that that's where they got the Jungle Book that Walt Disney's been so successful with. So in fact, the likely inspiration for Kipling's Mowgli was this man, Dina Senichar. There's a story about how he was discovered as an approximately six-year-old boy literally raised by wolves and rescued by humans. And this was three years after his discovery. In fact, there are many stories of wolf children from India, from all over the world. And uh, <clears throat> one of our speakers, uh, Professor Canlon, might tell you more about specific instances that he has worked on. But the problem with all of these stories is, even if they are true, and many of them are true, the problem is you don't know what the condition of the child was in the first place. Was the child abandoned because of some intellectual disability or illness or something? Were there other things that prevented the child from, from being fully functional? Most of these children never really learned much language or achieved much in their lifetimes. So that's a problem. So in thinking about this in a thought experiment that I wrote some years ago dating the origin of us, I rhetorically said, imagine if you placed 1,000 healthy, unrelated newborn babies on a predator-free deserted island where silent, legless robots tended optimally to their bodily needs. If the robots then left after 15 years and we came back, what would we find 30 years later? I've posed this thought experiment actually to many, many Carter members and many others, and I get widely divergent answers, which is the reason to have this symposium. Now, uh, in fact, this is of course a horrible, terrible experiment that would never be done, never be approved. But in fact, the experiment was done many times over, over the years. And this brings up the question of the royal investigations of the origin of language. And I borrowed freely, I'm not an expert on these topics from these, these authors here, particularly the first, first two authors, and tried to summarize these royal investigations. In Western literature, the Pharaoh of Egypt, the Holy Roman Emperor, and James IV of Scotland supposedly did the experiment uh, of the kind we're describing. Uh, and these are subheadings that I'll show you in a bit. Uh, but in fact, growing up in India, I'd heard about the more recent one, Akbar the Great, the Mughal Emperor of India from just 400 years ago. And I'm not going to go into this detailed slide, so I'm just going to focus on Akbar. So Akbar was the Mughal Emperor in, in this period of time. He's in the middle of the classic period. Uh, his grandson built the Taj Mahal, and Akbar, from an early age, decided that he was going to be truly a great emperor and had a personal biographer who tracked everything he ever did and wrote down everything on a regular basis, good and bad. And so that's probably a pretty good account of, of Akbar's life, the Akbar Nam of Abu Fazl. And so in this uh, Abu Fazl, uh, you can find this passage. There was a great meeting and every kind of enlightenment was discussed. His majesty said that speech came to every tribe from hearing, and that each remembered from another from the beginning of existence. 
And if they arranged that human speech did not reach them, they certainly would not have the power of speech. But if the fountain of speech bubbled over in one of them, he would then regard this as divine speech and accept it as such. But some who heard this appeared to deny it. So, the, so his majesty had a palace built where civilized sounds did not reach. Newly borns were put in that place of experience and honest and active guards and tongue-tied wet nurses were admitted there. As they closed the door of speech, the place was commonly called the Gang Mahal or the Dumb House. About four years later, His Majesty went out on a hunt. Next day, he went to the few special attendants of the House of Experiment. No cry came from that house of silence, nor was any speech heard there. In spite of their four years, they had no part of the talisman of speech. So this is from his biography, but it turns out this has been very well documented by many. From, this is actually from a, from a Sunni Muslim critic of Akbar later, who was criticizing many of the things he did. And he describes that an order was issued for several suckling in, in, infants should be kept in a secluded place far from habitations where they should not hear a word spoken. And the goal was to test the accuracy of the tradition which says everyone that is born is born in the natural tendency and whether or not their religious background had something to do with this. Again, the, this, this person reports that after three or four years, they all turned out dumb, and the appellation of the place turned out to be prophetic. And in fact, there was the third Jesuit mission to, the, uh, to Akbar. They tried several times to convert him. Uh, and Hieronymus Xavier reports some years later, he told me nearly 20 years ago, he had 30 children shut up before they could speech, put guards over them, so nurses might not teach them the language. The object was to see what language they would talk. And his endeavors were a failure. A Persian manuscript uh, that's recorded remembers this, and as do other, other documents. Again, I'm just putting this up briefly. Any of you interested can go back and look at this, at the video and freeze it and read it. Uh, and this is important because 12 years having passed, they produced the 12 children before the king. Interpreters of various languages were called in to help. Each one put questions to children. They answered just nothing at all. On the contrary, they were timid, frightened, and fearful, and continued to be so for the rest of their lives. And here's an interesting passage from a, from a Western historian that they, they did use certain gestures to express their thoughts, similar to the example of what the nurses were doing. And these were the only means they could convey their ideas or sense of their wants. So summarizing then, I think these earlier royal experiments are flawed for various reasons and various uh, levels of reliability. But Akbar's experiment was clearly done. And the, the result was, was uh, invest, uh, reported. So I'll close there. I'll just uh, point out that uh, people who we call Alexander the Great, Akbar the Great, etc., the things they did would today be called crimes against humanity. But uh, this historical perspective might be useful in starting off the symposium. Thanks. <laughs>